for listening. Good morning and welcome to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host, and today's topic is a very, very serious topic that is a situation of a much, much larger magnitude than most Americans would really know. And so we'll be talking about sexual assault, which occurs every minute, virtually every 98 seconds of every day to women, to men, to young folks, old folks, rich, poor, heterosexuals, homosexuals, people of all races, backgrounds and abilities. And essentially, no one is immune to experiencing this uh, crime of assault. I'm pleased to have with us today to talk about this, Robin Hazelriggs, a victim and a survivor of sexual assault, Claudio Fidarco, an adult therapist specializing in post-traumatic stress disorder, and also Melinda Scoturo, a crisis hotline coordinator and a volunteer training coordinator with Day League, and we'll talk a little bit more about Day League a little later. Robin, uh, welcome to the program. Do we have you there, Robin? Um, we've got Hazel, Robin Hazelrigs uh, on the line, but I don't have her on my headset. Can you hear anything? Ladies? No. Okay. We're working. I can on hear your, you guys talk. Okay. Here yeah. we go. Robin, is that you? Yes, this uh, is me. Good okay. morning. <laughs> Good morning, Robin. Robin is calling in. Uh, we have Claudia and Melinda here in the studio with us. And Robin, um, I have explained to listeners who may have heard that you were a victim and a survivor of sexual assault. And I'd like to uh, just first say before we start off that um, I made a reference to it being a condition, a problem uh, uh, that's more prevalent than most people realize. And most people don't know that three out of four victims know their perpetrators. Most people don't know that every 98 seconds uh, an American is sexually assaulted, that every minute uh, that victim is a child, that six out of every 1,000 perpetrators will be successfully prosecuted. That means that uh, there's another 994 that are not. Uh, That one in six American women are victims of sexual assault and that one out of ten rape victims is a male. For example, that's something that a lot of uh, people are not aware of, although they've become increasingly aware as we shed light on what's going on in certain regions of the Catholic Church. It's uh, a little more top of mind. Uh, And in many cases, those victims uh, were victimized uh, as children, which is your case, Robin. Uh, And I want you to share... Uh, with us, um, what your experience with was, as much as you'd be willing to uh, share that, and then we'll talk about uh, the years following uh, your transition to becoming more of a survivor, and um, just how Day League has been supportive of you. So, Robin, take us back um, and describe to us what your experience was. Um, Okay, my story is a little bit different in the fact that it didn't just happen recently, but my story I'm finding as I speak to more and more people that it's also common. Um, 
I was victimized when I was seven, eight, and nine, so as a child, by my um, by my babysitter's son, his teen, um, my babysitter's teenage son, and his his three um, and their free, three teenage friends. So it was actually three perpetrators, excuse me, that were teenagers, and I was seven, eight, and nine. Um, so it happened multiple times a week over a three-year period. Um, and I would be drug out into the woods or I would be um, taken down into the basement. So when I talk about triggers, those are triggers for me until I um, got recovery from day league. And um, so it was hard for me to ever go into the woods again or um, things like that. Um, when I was nine, I uh, finally got the courage to stand up and say, no more, we're not doing this and I don't want to be a mother because um, a lot of people are not familiar that... Um, sexual assault in a young um, child can force them into um, early puberty so that it happened and I didn't want to be a mother at 10 years old um, so I said no we're, we're not doing this I'm done and I, and I finally got the strength to stop it and um, then I uh, blacked it all out my brain I guess at that point uh, you know as a 9 year old could not handle the memories and the and then everything of the assault so I forgot about it for many 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 years um, like a lot of people do and then um, when I was 34 my mother passed away and that all of a sudden is when I started having flashbacks which are kind of mini movies of the assault or different things that are happening in the assaults um, for me and I started having nightmares and I started having a lot of behavior that comes along with um, PTSD and not being able to concentrate depression etc I um, still didn't do anything about it because I needed to deal with my mother's passing. And uh, that was the only family that I had, so that was a traumatic event as well. Um, but finally, when I turned 50, so yes, that's a very long time. People are going to go, wait, what? But yeah, um, when I finally turned 50, so 42 years of silence, um, I saw a commercial for Rain. And they'll talk a little bit more about Rain, but um, I think it stands for Rape, Abuse, Incest, National Network, is that right? I think that's yes. right. Um, so they gave me the number for Day League, and um, I contacted Day League, and uh, through the grace of God, uh, Day League said, yes, we, we would like to talk to you, and they interviewed me and said, um, you know, I think you would be a great candidate, and yes, you could come here for free services, which are very important because services, to get services in general is difficult, but to get high-level services like daily offers is quite rare, and they have licensed counselors and people that deal with just this, and um, and that is also rare. So um, I went to Day League and interviewed with them, and then I started their their 10-week intensive uh, trauma program, and it completely changed my life. So now I've gone from, you know, depressed victim to uh, thriving survivor, as we call it. So that's kind of where my story led to into Day League. Robin, uh, share with us a little bit about uh, when you first uh, uh, were able to speak to someone at Day League. Uh, was it uh, uh, days later? Uh, how much longer after you made that initial contact were you able to... Uh, um, it was it was interesting because I called, I do believe, on a Monday morning. I got a counselor to rain. I was able to speak to someone Monday afternoon at Day League. And... Um, 
and then the counselor called me back to do the interview to see if I qualified for the trauma training and if I had PTSD on Wednesday and the trauma group was starting Thursday but she said I'm not sure if we're full or not and um, let me see if we can squeeze you in you you do qualify you would be a good candidate and I just remember sitting in my car just praying like please God please let me get in please let me get in and um, and then she called me Thursday morning and said uh, you're in you start tonight so it was very quick it just by, it was by the look of the draw very quick and it just like I said completely changed my life and I'll never forget sitting in the first meeting like I hadn't had counseling yet or anything but just sitting in the first meeting and the first words out of the counselor's mouth was this was not your fault and when you tell someone for the first time and you break your silence whether it's after three days or you know six months or 42 years like me just hearing those words really rang home for the first time and um that's what I needed to hear. I needed to hear I wasn't going to be judged, and it was not my fault. So those those were just words of wisdom for me. <clears throat> what a lot of folks are also not aware of is how they are affected by a traumatic event like this. Uh, the, we, you know, we become more familiar with post-traumatic stress uh, disorder, and in some cases, how it affects uh, veterans of war. But also there are other forms of trauma, like sexual assault, that can affect you in in a variety of ways, uh, sometimes subtle, sometimes not so subtle. And in your case, I would imagine in the months and years following, your reflection on what happened uh, caused varying degrees of uh, feelings. Tell us a little bit about what those years were like as a teenager in your early 20s or you know were you able to and I say able um, many times the way that uh, uh, people who experience uh, trauma is to block out the experience uh, and that's the way they survive Um, but tell us a little bit about those years those teen years in the 20s for you um in my, uh, like I said, uh, in my early childhood, I did block it out. I think that's how my brain did survive because they were just so much older than me. And, and um, I was one of the victims that was uh, not only was traumatized by the repeated assault, but it was also traumatized by if you tell anyone I'm going to kill you or I'll kill your parents or I'll hurt you or I'll pass this and that around the school. So I would say I was also traumatized emotionally. So um, I blacked that out all through my teens and through my 20s. Um, went to performing arts school, uh, went to New York to model, um, various things. And actually, to be honest, I thought in my 20s, wow, I've had a great great childhood. And um, so it wasn't until my 30s when my mom passed that the nightmare started. And uh, the, the characteristics you're talking about for me, I, I can only speak for myself, were that um, I started having flashbacks, which are very similar to the many, mov- many movies. So um, I might ride by some woods in a car, and it would take me back to when I was dragged into the woods, or I might go into a friend's basement or something, and and I would see a bar on their window, and it reminded me of the bars on the window where I was assaulted. Um, I was depressed. I remember being very depressed in my 30s and feeling uh, a lot of blame. I blamed myself. I shamed myself. That also happens with a lot of victims. Um, I gained a lot of weight. I started gaining a lot of weight. Um, for me, I think it was 
if I can put on weight, then I won't be a traffic attractive anymore, and no one will want to drag me in the woods or drag me in a basement and, and you know assault me again. So I put on a lot of weight. That's very common for assault victims. I would say I know it's well over fifty percent or are um, heavy or obese. Um, and also, I just kind of didn't trust a lot of people. Um, my triggers were, if you see someone that looked like one of your perpetrators, that can be a trigger. And when, when I say trigger, it means the trigger is something that will um, make your memories come back or your nightmares come back or your flashbacks come back. So um, if I walk into a group at Day League or something and I say, I was triggered yesterday, everybody just nods. We have our own language. It's kind of a survivor language, but everybody just nods. We speak each other's language where there's no judgment and we don't have to explain but um, I would say that's kind of what I dealt with is a lot of depression um, hard to focus is another thing I dealt with um, detachment from things it's where I would just um, put my assault in one little neat bag over to the right and the rest of my life on a neat bag to the left instead of being in the moment um, so that's another thing I faced um, going through everything and just never feeling like you're good enough. I just remember I'll never be smart enough. I'll never be pretty enough. And all of that, I do believe, was from um, the assault as a child and the emotional abuse. Well, those certainly would be um, impacting kinds of uh, feelings um, that uh, could make life um, anything from awkward to just really um, uh, feeling like you don't have a handle on... uh, your day-to-day or your future uh, existence, and so we're glad you made the transition. Uh, We're going to take a break, and when we come back, uh, we'd like to have you tell us a little bit about when you felt like you were starting to make that transition from being a a victim in reflection on what happened to being a a true survivor, which you were uh, as early as a child and as a teenager and in your 20s, you were a survivor to some extent, but you probably feel like you really uh, reached a major threshold of, of being a survivor uh, later on. So we'll be right back with Claudia Fedarko, Robin Hazel Riggs, who we've been listening to, and Melinda Scaturo right after this break. Come join us on September 22nd at Historic Fourth Ward Park for the first ever Atlanta Walk a Mile in Her Shoes. Walk a Mile in Her Shoes asks men to literally walk one mile in women's high heel shoes as a way to express empathy to all victims of sexual assault. It's a lighthearted way to get the community talking about a difficult subject. Are you man enough? Come join us. All proceeds benefit Day League, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. For more information and to register, go to Atlanta Walk a Mile in Her Shoes. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. 
Come join us on September 22nd at Historic Fourth Ward Park for the first ever Atlanta Walk a Mile in Her Shoes. Walk a Mile in Her Shoes asks men to literally walk one mile in women's high heel shoes as a way to express empathy to all victims of sexual assault. It's a lighthearted way to get the community talking about such a difficult subject. Are you man enough? Come join us. All proceeds benefit Day League, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. For more information and to register, go to Atlanta Walk a Mile in Her Shoes. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We've been talking to Robin Hazel Riggs, a victim and survivor of sexual assault, and we're going to be also talking with Claudia Fedarko, uh, an adult therapist, and she focuses on post-traumatic stress disorder, and what we'll also be talking with Belinda Scaturro in a bit. She is the crisis hotline uh, coordinator and the volunteer training coordinator for Daily. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Daily later as well, but I want to go back to Robin's experience, um, which wouldn't have been uh, too far um, back, Robin, when you were working with folks at Daily, and uh, there might have also been other sources of support, but was there... Not so much an aha moment as there was a period where you felt like, yes, I absolutely uh, am a survivor. I have been a survivor in varying degrees through the years, but now I feel um, very much like I've crossed over a threshold to feeling uh, much more like a survivor. Um, <clears throat> I would say most definitely it was uh in the trauma group, we learned so many tools of how to deal with our PTSD and our memories and um, triggers. And um, uh, I like one of, the, for instance, one of the things I learned is coloring mandalas, which are amazing, and I do that all the time still. And um, those are uh, you're seeing them a lot around Atlanta, and are actually everywhere in the stores. They're the very intricate coloring books. And um, there's no way for you to have a panic attack or be extremely anxious while you're coloring these geometric shapes and these in, um, these uh, coloring books. So you're instantly um, breathing better. You're instantly relaxed and feeling better. And then also learned breathing techniques and tap, keep tapping and EMDR and other stuff. But um, in the in the trauma group that I was speaking about. But I would definitely say um, the last. Well, there's two instances. One instance in the group that really made me go, wow, and I'll never forget this, I've done this, was um, Dalek was having a, a 5K race, and one of the things all the um, victims do toward the end of their um, trauma group is we all make T-shirts, and the T-shirts can say whatever you want to on them, and um, all of us have different messages. But I would say um, that's a really cool thing. It's the clothesline project. It's what it's called, um, and uh, we hung our T-shirts outside on the track so everybody could see them, and then whoever wanted to run the 5K could. And I remember going up, the 5K started with that. It seemed like the largest hill in history, and I was running up the hill, and when I got about halfway up, another person was running who I also knew was a... Um, uh, in the survivor group too and I was just pouring tears and she was pouring tears and we are helping each other up the hill and we weren't crying because we were victims we were crying because we had overcome this stupid hill and that I think for us it just represented all the 
scary things we'd been through and all the scary memories, but we were conquering it together, and we helped each other over it. And when we got to the top, we were both bawling, but we were laughing at the same time because it was a happy cry um, and not a sad cry. So that was definitely a moment of just feeling like we did this. And then another moment um, we have in group is um, um, when we tell our stories, and some of it, like I have several uh, friends who have never told their family um, that they're victims or they've never told their children they're victims and we may be the only people they ever tell or have told until they you know feel like they can tell other people so we tell our before stories of what our life was like before we were victimized and then our after stories and our future and what we want our futures to be and we do it with pictures and um, words that mean things to us and um, that was an aha moment of just like I I need to let this go and, and forgive my perpetrators and and move forward and stop living in the past and I've gotten these tools now from Day League and the trauma group to start taking care of myself in the present and in the future and a lot of us have and I just remember that being like wow I can let this go now this is my past it doesn't define who I am it's just part of my history and then now I can move forward to achieve the dreams that I want to achieve and I'd say telling my stories was one and then the final boost was a lot of us promised each other in the group that we would get a tattoo and it was done and I am not a tattoo person and I am terrified of needles but uh, four of us went out and got a tattoo that meant something to us that was empowering that when we look at it we know we survived and we're not victims but we're survivors and so mine's a, of a small Wonder Woman uh, the WW and it means a lot to me so that's that was my other aha moment. Well, in many respects, you are a Wonder Woman, Robin, uh, and in <laughs> fact, um, we think it's uh, very uh, wonderful of you, if we can use that term, for uh, sharing with us um, your transition from from victim to survivor. You would have uh, been surrounded by women whose sexual assault may have occurred. Women, I say, there may have been men as well. I don't know. Uh, along the way that you've uh, encountered, but for some of them it was a much more recent experience, and do you recall what some of them shared with you about what could have been for them an aha moment that hopefully came not too much longer after uh, any form of assault, um, where daily helped them get over uh, over the hill, so to speak, uh, get over that, uh, that hump, and and clearly to a transition uh, of being a survivor. Do you recall some of those stories? Um, I can't speak for other people, but I could just tell you a couple of things that a couple of friends have told me that were, we were in, you know, in this together. Um, just that um, the main thing that we, we, we feel is um, when we go in this group, we're not judged, we're not... Um, we speak our own, it's not a survivor language, but it's an empowering language. Um, and we empower each other and help each other and give each other tips. But we also walk in there and can say and do anything, and we are loved wholeheartedly. And um, so I think the aha moment for a friend of mine when she was telling me was that she just knew that this was the safe place she could come to. She felt like after she got through trauma group that she could go out and, and go back to school and um, do well and focus and concentrate because she, too, uh, realized that this was her past and it, it didn't define her. And um, so she was able to, like, um, you know, do better and concentrate more and achieve some of her goals and, and um 
toward her career, and that was fascinating and wonderful to see. And she was one of those that hadn't told any of her family. So, um, so you know, I think uh, just for me, it you know, the aha moment is just having your voice, using your voice to speak out. And then once you speak out and you get help from daily, you keep using your voice. Um, I'm one of the few that has a big mouth that doesn't mind telling my story and putting my name to it. But I would say there's very few of us that will do that. And I understand that. So one of my healing things is is speaking in public because I speak for the ones who can't. And I have several friends that there's just no way they could tell their story or even to their family, much less in public. So, you know, if we change one mind, if the story helps one person, then we're doing our job and we're helping those ahead of us and behind us. Um, but, yeah, I would say those are the stories I've heard from them. It's just that um, day league and, and telling your, your not your secret, but telling your story um, gives you power and empowers you um, to move forward. And that's like the aha moments for a lot of the, the girls and a couple of guys I've spoken to. Well, we can hear the empowerment in your voice. Um, I mean, part of what makes you a Wonder Woman, uh, Robin, is uh, your willingness to share your story and to help uh, others. And as you say, if we can just uh, help one person, even in the course of uh, this program, uh, then we've done our work. Uh, and, uh, and you know, I hope you uh, continue to do this uh, for as long as you're willing. Um, also, I hope you'll stay on the program. I know you said you had some time constraints, but uh, stay with us for as long as you can. And we're going to turn to Claudia now. And Claudia, I want to ask you, um, given what Robin shared with us about her experience, um, what are you finding? I, I, I alluded to the fact that there's varying degrees of trauma and that people treat the situation and react to it in so many different ways, but would you share with me uh, having technical difficulties, which we're about to fix, uh, and volume is super loud if you can can you hear me is that better, That's better and better for me okay pardon us we uh we got over that glitch um claudia the experience uh that women share with you which again is uh, very right. uh very different uh share with us what what has been shared with you well, um, and once again, I want to thank America's Web Radio and you, Rob, Ron, for inviting us because I do agree with you that this is a problem that is endemic in this country and we don't receive enough airtime. We need to get the word out, um, not only about our services, but about the problem in general. Um, when survivors, when victims of sexual assault, be they male or female, come to us, um, if the assault is very recent, they may suffer from um, symptoms that um, are really it just feel out of control. You feel like you're crazy. We call these the autonomic nervous system symptoms. Uh, people can't sleep because when you're traumatized, your, your, your primitive brain takes over and sleep doesn't feel very safe because you're asleep. Um, so people find they can't fall asleep and stay asleep. People find they can't concentrate. Uh, people find that um, they're angry and irritable about everything. They startle easily. Um, it's like your your system's gone wild and you just can't settle. And this 
we often see as the worst set of symptoms when people have either recently been victimized or recently remembered that they had been victimized because Robin's experience of uh, sort of deep-sixing it for years is not unusual uh, where it's just on the back burner. You may even have a memory, yeah, I know that happened, but it was no big deal. And then something changes in your life to bring it to the fore because your brain doesn't forget those things. We're going to take a break here, but uh, when we come back, we'll continue talking about uh, the effects uh, of sexual assault and the trauma associated with it, and we'll also make a reference to a uh, recent uh, feature film uh, about this topic. We're here with, well, we've been listening to Robin Hazel Riggs, uh, also Claudia Fidarco and Melinda Scaturro of Daily. We'll be back to talk more about this very serious topic of sexual assault right after this break. You know, you really can't appreciate what someone has gone through until you walk a mile in their shoes. That is why we are bringing the first annual Walk a Mile in Her Shoes to Atlanta. We are literally asking men to walk a mile in high heel shoes to express empathy for women who have been victim of sexual assault. Are you man enough? If so, join us Saturday, September 22nd at Historic Fourth Ward Park. For more information, go to Atlanta Walk a Mile in Her Shoes. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. You know, you really can't appreciate what someone has gone through until you walk a mile in their shoes. That is why we're bringing the first annual Walk a Mile in Her Shoes to Atlanta. We are literally asking men to walk a mile in high heel shoes to express empathy for women who have been victim of sexual assault. Are you man enough? If so, join us on September 22nd at Historic Fourth Ward Park. For more information, go to Atlanta Walk a Mile in Her Shoes. EverydayHero.do. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And we've been talking with Robin Hazelriggs, a victim and a survivor of sexual assault. We've been focused on the very serious topic of sexual assault and the effect it has on victims who, with the help of organizations like daily can make that transition to being a a very strong survivor Uh, and we've been talking with Claudia Fidarko and we're still going to have Melinda Scaturro join in the conversation Um, before the break uh, Claudia you were telling us about uh, the range of experience and uh, that the victims have and I think that the public is sometimes not aware although they've become increasingly aware 
because of the light that's been shed on post-traumatic stress disorder in veterans over the last couple of decades, they begin to understand that it is more real and that it may even have occurred after World War II and World War I. Right. It was called shell shock then. That's right. It was called shell shock. It had a different... And, and you mentioned that it is a, a, a reaction uh, uh, of the brain, and, and, and people always like it if there's a direct causal relationship. There isn't always a direct causal relationship. In this case, we do know that the primitive part of the brain, the brainstem that's surrounded by your uh, cerebellum and, and um, those parts that have higher functions, that primitive brainstem is responsible for fight-or-flight syndrome. Uh, fight-or-flight reaction, and when you've been traumatized, there are many mechanisms that are in play to try to shelter you or insulate you from uh, future trauma, and from that, the trauma of the memory, and so share with us uh, uh, again some of that. uh, Well, um, when a person is traumatized, and um, we're talking about post-traumatic stress disorder here, which is when symptoms occur and they don't disappear and I mentioned just one aspect of those symptoms that your brain keeping you awake you know or making you irritable or making you unable to concentrate on anything except how how nervous you are about life um I I the brain responds because it wants to keep you safe it wants to keep you from being victimized again uh another type of symptoms that uh victims of sexual assault trauma have is um, what Robin alluded to, the re-experiencing symptoms, being triggered. It's as if your brain has a little camera, a multi-sensory camera that remembers every aspect of the trauma. So when you see something that reminds you of the trauma, it immediately makes contact. It sends out messengers that contact your glands that send out massive amounts of stress hormones, corticosteroids, uh, so that you could run quickly. That's like adrenaline, so you could run quickly or lift something, climb a tree or whatever. But they don't serve you well if you're triggered and you've got these massive hormones that make you feel really shaky and you're just driving on 285 in the midst of traffic and you saw a panel van that reminded you of the panel van that the perpetrator drove. Um, So the re-experiencing symptoms, which are the brain's way of protecting you, often get in our way. You know, you might have an intrusive memory that comes when you're trying to take an exam at at Georgia State and that doesn't help you. It it gets in your way. So re-experiencing symptoms are... um, a, a brain protection, but they get in our way. Um, also, because of the re-experiencing symptoms, victims often withdraw. They stop exposing themselves to anything that might possibly trigger them, so they stop going out. Uh, they stop uh, talking to people, and often uh, a person will come to our offices um Years after the assault, I remember in particular one woman who came four years after her assault by a stranger, which, by the way, is the least common. Only 20% of our assaults, 20-25% are committed by strangers. Most assaults are committed by perpetrators that are known to the victim. She came four years after the assault because she realized she had no life. She'd go to work, come home, go to work come home, stopped singing in the choir at church, stopped 
going to the mall, stopped doing everything. And um, she recognized that her life was a shadow of what it had been, and she knew she needed treatment. So those that withdrawal is, is also a major symptom. And the last thing Robin also alluded to um, is the change in your thoughts and your feelings about yourself, about other people, about life. Robin mentioned not trusting anyone, and that's really typical. Uh, she also mentioned shame and feeling self-blame, and that's so typical that it's in the definition of post-traumatic stress disorder, blaming yourself for something, you know, for a trauma that happened, even when there's no no iota of blame. Um, also, um, people we work with express this sense that life's never going to be good again. It's It's a symptom, but it feels very real, and it feels like it's going to go on forever, like my life is over. I'm never going to have happiness again. There's almost, while you're in the midst of PTSD, you, you're unable to feel positive feelings and you're more um, burdened by negative feelings of doubt, of sadness, of, of hopelessness. And some of those external triggers, as, as I alluded to uh, previously, uh, can cause your cognitive mechanisms, if you will, to overreact, much like uh, the human body does with uh, other illnesses. Uh, sometimes, you know, the body secretes histamine, and, and, and it does it too much. Uh, you know, I've, I've had it explained to me that there are various immunological reactions that are sometimes the human body just needs to uh, wipe out uh, a discrete infection, but the whole body is uh, reacting to that infection, and those symptoms are actually the debilitating part of the illness, not the originating uh, right. infection. Um, also, um, we have Robin, and Robin, did you want to add something here? Um, no, I was listening to Claudia. It's uh, everything that she's saying. I'm just like, yes, and those are very typical symptoms that, that I had as well. And um, definitely the the nightmares, the flashbacks, not sleeping, everything she's mentioned. Um, detachment was another one for me. Um, mm-hmm. So most definitely everything she's mentioned. I, I yes, they're very common for um, even even mine having so long ago. Like like she said, I it just I had just started having those memories intensely when I went to get help five years ago. Well, so, and um, it definitely helped. And the process of becoming detached. Um, uh, we talked about uh, your body, your brain rather, uh, trying to help you uh, protect you from that trauma. Uh, just reflecting reflecting on that trauma. Um, that's insulation, but also isolation in right. one way, and that therein lies right. the detachment and the removal uh, f- of yourself from society, and that uh, leads to a whole host of problems. Um, right, and if I may add, often I, I m- m- most listeners may not know that the vast majority of sexual assaults of both men and women, a good fifty-four percent, so take place between the ages of 18 and 34. Um, and this is a crucial time. Many take place during college years. Um, and what happens is often this is the kind of trauma that gets someone, a college student, way off track. Um, you know, I mentioned those autonomic nervous system symptoms of not being able to sleep and not being able to concentrate and being angry or irritable. I I can't tell you how many 
victims of sexual assault during college years drop out of school because they, they start failing out because they can't concentrate, they can't do their work, they're falling asleep in class because class feels safe because it's daylight, you're with a bunch of people, but they can't sleep at night. So, um, And then they sort of conflate dropping out with failure and I couldn't cut college because I'm not smart enough instead of really recognizing, wait a minute, you failed out because you were struggling with symptoms caused by the trauma. Um, and that's why when we get students who have dropped out or who are really struggling, we advocate for them to uh, either take time off or have a semester be pass-fail something to alleviate um, their distress at, at feeling like they're failing when they're really struggling with major symptoms. And, and, and that's not unlike what some veterans experience as they're becoming yes. detached and finding it difficult to cope with uh, the day-to-day existence of school or a job. Right, uh, and, right. Uh, it's just a, uh, a spiraling condition. Clyde, share with us those um, first few um, moments, and, and, and Melinda, you would be involved in helping uh, the uh, folks at, at the caller lines, the crisis hotline, to, to deal with this as well. But that may be the first experience that, that some of the trauma uh, victims have with Day League. What happens, and, and, and we'll have you walk us through that, and then Claudia, tell us where they go from there. Sure. Yeah, so um, we have a 24-hour crisis hotline. We were one of the first crisis hotlines in Georgia that was associated with RAIN, which is the National Sexual Assault Network. And so that hotline um, runs 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we've been running for almost 30 years now. And so most people will get our number um, from that national network, or a lot of times they may get it from a local police department from a hospital, or we do a number of community events and outreach events to help people know that we exist and know about our services. A lot of people um, say, unfortunately, we're one of the best-kept secrets in Georgia. Um, But when a survivor gets that number and they call that hotline, they reach a volunteer advocate. And these advocates are extremely well-trained in interacting in these types of calls. And a lot of people think because it's a crisis hotline that it's an emergency line and people are calling the same way they would call 911, but that's generally not the case. Most of the people that are calling our line um, are just having a hard time sleeping that night or they got the number from a friend and thought, oh, I, you know, I was assaulted and I've never dealt with this. You know, what kind of information can I get? Um, a lot of times we get calls from what we refer to them as secondary survivors, so a parent of someone that's been assaulted or a roommate whose college roommate had been assaulted. And a lot of times they just want a clear path for what they're supposed to do, you know. We don't have a handbook for how to handle it if you're sexually assaulted. And the unfortunate thing is so many people are, and they don't know what that first step is. So a lot of times what our advocates are really trained to do is help put the control back in their hands and let them know the different steps that they can take should they choose to. Um, You know, it's not black and white and there's not a right way for any one person to handle their own assault and their own trauma and so 
Um, sometimes it's people who just want to talk and they want to share for the first time. And here's the opportunity to speak to somebody basically anonymously. I mean, we only really collect their information for statistical purposes or for follow-up. Um, and so a lot of times our advocates are the first person that they've ever shared what happened to them. They're the first person that they've ever entrusted with that. And a lot of times if they have shared with other people, the advocate may be the first person that's told them, I believe you. And it wasn't your fault. And those things that are so crucial for a survivor to hear in those early stages. Um, we get calls from people who were assaulted in their childhood. Um, a lot of our callers are adults who were assaulted in childhood and just recently discovered there were services. And a lot of our callers are people who were recently assaulted. And generally what we do is we try to walk them through that process and let them know what services are available to them. What we'll do is we'll shed a little light on that process uh, right after this break. We're here with Claudia Fedarko, Melinda Scaturro. Earlier we had Robin Hazelriggs all sharing with us um, how victims are becoming survivors uh, with the support of organizations like Dayleague. We'll be taking a break and we'll be right back. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You know, you really can't appreciate what someone has gone through until you walk a mile in their shoes. That is why we're bringing the first annual Walk a Mile in Her Shoes to Atlanta. We are literally asking men to walk a mile in high heel shoes to express empathy for women who have been victim of sexual assault. Are you man enough? If so, join us on September 22nd at Historic Fourth Ward Park. For more information, go to Atlanta Walk a Mile in Her Shoes dot Everyday Hero dot D.O. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Claudia Fedarko and we're with Melinda Scaturro, who's the Crisis Hotline Coordinator and the Volunteer Training uh, Coordinator at Day League. And we've been talking about what people... Uh, experience when they call that hotline. I, I don't want to be remiss if and not uh, share that phone number. Uh, so can you tell us what that hotline number is? Yes, that number is 404-377-1428. Okay, 
404-377-1428. And you can also Google Day League, and, and that will get you the, to the hotline. So, Melinda, uh, tell us about um, how you transition from that phone call to working with someone. Uh, and then, Claudia, you might uh, chime in. tell us <laughs> more about uh, what someone uh, can experience in the way of support from Day League. Um, so a lot of our callers um, call for a myriad of reasons, and generally what we'll do is we'll um, kind of talk to them about the different services that are available, not just through our organization, but through other organizations throughout um, Georgia and Atlanta. And sometimes we get callers who don't even live in the state, and we'll provide them with services too if we're able. Um, but generally, we try to, in every contact through the hotline, let people know about the therapy services at Daily because it's something that we're so fortunate to be able to offer. We're one of the only rape crisis centers in Georgia that's able to offer individual therapy services from licensed therapists, and that's huge. Um, I think we are the only one within the perimeter that does that. Um, and each time we have a caller, um, sometimes they're um, right recently after their assault and they're trying to figure out the um, processes for filing a police report or obtaining a forensic medical exam and we are fortunate that as of May of this year we've been offering um, forensic medical exams out of a private suite at the Family Protection Center in Tucker and that's been incredible Um, but the therapy services are really what our organization has been built on over the years and what we tend to do is the the most important thing that we want to make sure every caller understands is that all of our services are at no cost to them. Um, We do not charge for forensic medical exams. We do not charge for therapy services, whether individual or group therapy. And in the area that we're in, DeKalb County, um, individual therapy services can be almost $150 an hour with a private therapist. So that's a huge savings to a survivor who might need these services but might not be able to afford them. Um, The other thing that we, you know, assure them of in those services are that we have an absolutely exceptional staff of people that are all trained specifically to work with these symptoms and to work with these types of clients and to help them through this process. Um, And that's really big because, as we've talked about earlier, as Robin mentioned, as Claudia mentioned, a lot of people themselves don't even describe what happened to them as an assault. They might not realize that they were assaulted. They might not label it as such. They might wait 42 years before it occurs to them that what happened to them was an assault. And so, you know, when they're seeing therapists outside of an organization like ours, they're generally probably just dealing with those symptoms and not with the actual trauma itself that caused those symptoms to occur. And so, you know, we let people know we have individual therapy services, we have group therapy services, and those callers can have access to that and to those services. And also, because our therapists tend to work with clients who have experienced a sexual assault, they're better able to help them with the case management type stuff also, as far as if they're in the process of working with the police, helping them through that trauma of telling their story again and again, if they're in the court process. Um, We have survivors all the time who now they're perpetrators finally going to trial and all of a sudden they're re-triggered and they're having all of these flashbacks and memories and feelings and thoughts about it. Um, 
you know, we forget how traumatic the court experience is for a survivor. Um, and so in all of these instances, you know, with every caller, it's a completely different experience, but you're just basically letting them know the service is available. And most people yearn for that type of service. They, they know that they need somebody that they can talk to and feel safe and secure in sharing and feel like they can share without blame and without guilt. And, and so that's an incredible resource for people to have. And most oftentimes they're either ready to see a therapist and ready to talk through what they're experiencing or just ready for their life to change. You know, I think Claudia mentioned, you know, a shell of what your former life was. And and that's the thing that most people, when they call the hotline, are calling for. It's not because they were assaulted. It's because they want their life that they had before back. Yeah, I want to add a couple things. One of them is uh, that at the core of organizations like Day League, um, and other cri- crisis hotlines uh, around the country, um, at the core is caring. And what you get when you call 404-377-1428 is a caring voice, a, a voice that's that will lead to supportive mechanisms, um, which Claudia will talk more about, but it's caring that is at the core. And um, this program doesn't typically... Uh, uh, do reviews of uh, of other media or uh, support and promote other media, but there does happen to be a, uh, a feature film out currently with starring Laura Dern as an older woman who's reflecting on her early childhood experiences mm-hmm. that she only realizes in retrospection were a sexual assault. Right. Uh, it's called The Tale, and uh, I would suggest that a lot of people... Uh, uh, find that uh, that uh, feature film. It's uh, a, a good uh, overview of some of what we've been talking about. Right. Claudia, tell us a little bit about what they expect after that phone call, how long it might be before they can get some actual uh, therapy. Um, as in the case of Robin, things happen very quickly for her. Sometimes we have a waiting list. Um, uh, we're a private nonprofit. We don't have a lot of money. We depend on grants and fundraisers like Walk a Mile in Her Shoes uh, and donations. So our staff is small. Um, but once a woman calls the hotline and is given the information or the man, that we expect the victim to call our counseling services, and they do, and leave messages, and we'll call them back and set up a time. The first available therapist who has open spaces will call back the person, the victim, and set up a time for them to come into our offices. And um, that first time we do a, a standard, what's called an intake interview, going back through the history, uh, you know, we do it briefly. Um, you know, what's your life been like? We we go through the trauma, what symptoms the person may be experiencing, their mental health history. Um, it's it's very thorough. And our therapists do have a lot of years of experience working in the field of trauma, so they're very adept at um, 
figuring out, okay, this person really is ready to deal with this kind of work. It's not easy counseling work um, because you're talking about something that, quite frankly, most people don't want to talk about. That's why a lot of people just put it on the back burner for so many years. Um, but we offer individual work, um, individual counseling. Uh, we have family counseling. Often, for example, uh, a woman who's been assaulted uh, several years ago but is remembering it will ask if we can see her spouse to talk about um, how it's affecting their marriage. So sometimes we do couples work. Yeah. And also Hispanic community. Right, right. We have a bilingual therapist who who uh, can do therapy bilingual in Spanish and English. You know, we could have uh, a whole other program or two on this topic. Um, unfortunately, we are running out of time, and I don't want to be remiss. I want to turn to, if you can call it a, a positive dimension to uh, what uh, Daily does in support of women, and that is a group of men yes. that uh, are supporting the International Walk a Mile event here in Atlanta, the Atlanta Walk a Mile in her shoes. You know, all heard that phrase, you don't really understand someone until you've walked in their shoes. And men, uh, you will be given that opportunity to put on those high heels and walk a mile. <laughs> yes. Uh, and that takes place on September 22nd. Um, walk us through that Saturday, September 26th. Walk us through that event, uh, Melinda. Um, yeah, so we're really excited to be bringing this event to Atlanta. We were very surprised that Atlanta was not a place that had offered this event before. I know that they've done it in Athens, but um, basically that day we're um, having a group of men. You can register online, and they're going to come out, and they're going to put on red high heels, and they're going to walk together to um, show that they um, are aware of what's going on, that they don't stand for sexual assault here in Atlanta, here in Georgia. Um, and mainly they're going to kind of symbolically take on the arduous journey that survivors go through um, from victimhood to being a survivor of sexual assault and to move on with their lives. And, um, and each of these men wearing these heels, it's going to be kind of a fun way for us to just shed light on this serious topic and to let people know about our organization and the services available and not just our organization but the other rape crisis centers here in Georgia that are accessible to people um, and you know after everybody walks there's going to be live music there's going to be some great speakers uh, in addition to that um, you know there's going to be a Bloody Mary bar and some foot massages so it should <laughs> be really enjoyable for people and it'll just be a really good opportunity for us to show Atlanta we're going to be empowered by standards and make sure that we support each other and lift each other up. And even just as someone who maybe is not personally impacted by sexual assault to have them think you know how do I respond to friends or family that tell me that they're a survivor how do I be supportive of them in their journey and you know we always laugh about a lot of our survivors tell us about the ignorant things people say trying to be supportive and so to give people the the words and the lingo of how to respond positively to help people move forward in their lives. Well, even though this is men uh, putting down the high heels and walking uh, a mile, 
this is m- the men and women of daily being supportive, showing some caring. And um, I want to thank you, Melinda Scaturro, Claudia Fedarco, and Robin Hazelriggs for taking the time to focus uh, on this really very serious topic of uh, sexual assault. You've been listening to the Business Hour here at America's Radio. We're on Fridays from 10 to 11. Have a great weekend. Remember the walk-a-mile in her shoes, uh, the Atlanta walk-a-mile in her shoes on September 22nd, and we'll see you on the Internet and the radio next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport.